Well, 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 look who's back. It's First Off, You're Wrong, a podcast by two dudes smart enough to see problems but too dumb to figure out how to fix them. I am Luke. With me is Jeremiah. Hi. Last week we had Christian influencers. Good job. You totally didn't forget what we had last week. Lots of influencing happening with the Christian realm of things and, um, and stuff. On a sad note, well, no, actually, on a happy note first, the Huddle House at your exit was popping tonight. I mean, it was the... the you um, stopped at Huddle House? Well, I mean, I stopped at the gas station next to the oh, Huddle House. Oh, okay. That is a good and gas station, And to get too. the PZMTs. And I was like, there's so many people here. Like, how... It's, it's like, you know, 6.30 on a Friday, and the Huddle House is, like, the place to be in this town that I almost said. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Huddle House. In rural Pennsylvania. Yeah. Anyway, um, also before we get started, sad note, there is a documentary coming out about David Platt and his um, misuse of funds at whatever his church is now, m- not Mount Bethel, I don't know why I almost said that, um, it starts in M, it's MBE or something like that, and apparently, and I say this because I went to... Um, Brooke Hills here when David Platt was the pastor and he was um, a very influential person in my life I would say and it's very sad to see where he is now and I did not know things were so bad for him yeah I, and I didn't know anything about apparently his his uh, company Radical mm-hmm. um, which he made like they're funneling tons of money into it like money's just mi- dis- mis- disappearing from the church hmm. and then when they were au- wanted to be audited or people wanted to audit them they've been kicking out members of their church People wanted to audit it. They spent over a million dollars to seal those records so people could not see and audit what is going on with the money. So I'm very saddened by this. And, um, well, I hope I pray for the people up there in that church. Well, that's and terrible. I know. And, uh, you know, with that, hit them with a disclaimer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, as you guys know. The show must go on, Jeremiah. Yeah, hey, we can't just yeah, stop. Yeah, wow. Okay. Okay. But I you ruined the whole mood of the episode. I'm sorry. Now. I mean, it was just a, it's a sad. Thing, I was guys. happy when you said Huddle House, and now I don't know what to think. Okay, uh, well, just go back to the Huddle House times, man. Yes, that Huddle House, Huddle House. is popping. All right, yes. Jeremiah. This is All right, as you guys know, this podcast is mainly opinion based. Of course, as Christians, our utmost authority is Scripture. However, some of the things we talk about on this podcast aren't necessarily Pepsi. <laughs> some of the things we talk Pepsi. about aren't necessarily in the in the Bible. They might be gray areas in the Christian life. Our goal is to make you come away thinking about things you may not have thought of in the past or thinking about things you have thought of in a new way. And with that said, Luke, what are people wrong about this week? People are wrong about Calvinism. Wow, I don't know what's going on. My allergies just went crazy. Sorry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to it's like keep my eyes closed. It's because it's the Arminians. They're trying I know. to... I'm allergic. I'm allergic to Calvinism. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> more than likely what it is. So anyway, uh, yes, we're doing... Calvinism, and for all the people that it, don't like that, welcome, welcome to the big leagues. It really is. We are fulfilling the meme right now. Two Reformed Baptist guys sitting in a basement recording a podcast. Yeah. I have a very thick beard right now. You're wearing a beanie. That's the true. only thing that could make this more of a meme is if we had like a pipe <laughs> or like cigars and a glass of whiskey. <laughs> that would true. be the only thing to make it more Reformed Baptist. I got I got the Carhartt hat on. Yeah. The Carhartt hoodie on. So you're what now. you can't see behind us is we have a poster of RC Sproul. Yeah. That's, right. That's exactly what we have. That's great. Anyway. Anyway, anyway. So, what is what what is Calvinism? Uh, I mean, what you want to go with like a technical terms Just, and you got grace doctrines, you, you got, got you got uh, the, the, in five words or less, what's Calvinism? A way of understanding salvation. Would that be a good way of putting it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is this, what is the study of, of soteriology? There you go. So it's it's a good way of understanding that and how it works. And mm-hmm. I think that the issue of why we're being like this is the big leagues is because so many people and some some people like it but a lot of people dislike it a lot of <laughs> really? people dislike it and I when didn't they know and when they dislike it it's it's to me I, I guess it's almost as as ridiculous as can be the people that support it I mean because some of the people that support it, I mean oh, they yeah. get in your face about it and stuff and 
And I think there's no the, way to win people to your way of, of thinking. The young, um, restless, reformed kind of guys yeah. that are just, you I mean, know. We've, we've all been there. But yeah. it's, again, and, and we all revisit it sometimes. <laughs> uh, but I just, I think that that's why it's it's so hard. Wow. Phone. Sorry. Phone. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to turn that You've back. lost speaking privileges. I'm okay, going to go done. Yeah, go ahead. But um, <laughs> Cal, to me... You know, I I grew up kind of in this weird. This is longer than five second sentence, five words. Five, I can't five. talk. Five. You know, maybe if you had a fully formed thought, you could interject. But since I you're don't. just saying random I'm words, sorry. I'm you know, I'm just now. gonna let my phone ring and I'm gonna sit over here for us. <laughs> making sure my phone is on silent <laughs> as well. Right you should. Now. You should. That's, um, that's probably the responsible thing to do. But I, I grew up in this weird kind of getting pulled both ways. The the homeschooling curriculum that you and I both did was very Arminian. Was um, it? Oh, very, very. I don't know if I ever took Bible class with them. Um, but it was it was heavy Arminian theology. Okay. But growing up, my dad would always listen to John MacArthur. Um, he was my dad. Ultra Cal- my, uh, Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was very influenced by John MacArthur. I think that yeah. if you asked him who has been the biggest impact on his life in a spiritual sense, he would uh, of people that he doesn't know, it would probably be John MacArthur. And, you know, I think that's a lot of people, especially in his uh, age bracket, kind of came to the understanding of the doctrines of grace because of John MacArthur's Mm -hmm. ministry. But so I had this duality of getting pulled in both directions. And the church that I grew up in, especially in the children's ministry, didn't really help. It was never very clear on what what I, what what Go the proper interpretation church. of salvation is, and wouldn't you say that's probably a, very common with a lot of? Because oh, I would yeah. think with mine, it's like I, uh, it, I think it would be very hard to bring Calvinism to to well the children. It's, it's like, less it's right. less about bringing Calvinism, and it's more about not telling kids just pray a prayer, right? Because that was exactly. how I was kind oh, of raised. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, just pray a prayer. Re- the repeat after me prayers. Yeah. Right. That was I. I remember multiple times as a kid having repeat after me prayers in at the end of children's church or Sunday school. But um, so so there's there's all these different things that were going on in my childhood, and of course the most influential to me was my father. Um, so as I grew and I grew and I grew and I grew, I, I kind of landed on where he was, what my dad had laid down. Right, he mm. he brought me up in the way I should go, and now that I'm old, I'm not departing from it. And when I started growing older and reading more for myself, and listening more and uh, re- doing more study on the topic, I realized that I didn't have a full understanding of what Calvinism was. I just thought, okay, everyone. I, I thought everyone was where I was for a, a while, and I didn't. I guess some people would have called me a, a three or a four point Calvinist. Yeah. You know, if you've yep. heard those terms. So I, I have. I, I have, Jeremiah. Thank <laughs> you. I have, yes. And it took me a couple years to kind of get my feet under me and fully understand the doctrines of grace. And I'll tell you, when I fully came to an understanding of what the gospel is, not what Calvinism is, what the gospel is, it it really changed my entire life and my walk with Christ in in a in a the most visibly dramatic way mm-hmm. since I I was saved, and it that that's why I'm passionate about it is because I can see you can see the change in people's hearts when they fully understand what is happening right with with the doctrines of grace with reformed theology, so it in a in Five sentence in five words or less. Well, five words or less. That was crazy, man. <laughs> well, words. how would I define? Yeah, it it's consistent exegesis of the Bible to determine a proper soteriology. That is not five words. It was. I tried, man. Okay, that, that I good. tried. <laughs> I no, don't know why I, I put. I such was just saying. For me, I would say that I, I, you know, my my dad was you know, systematic theology. We were always in. We were in a non-denominational church, which again we I think we've Baptist all discussed with extra steps. With extra steps yes, <laughs> um, and a lot of Baptist churches obviously were in the South, so either that or Presbyterian, pretty much. Um, and 
You know, I would say it's just because I remember when we would do history class or whatever, like in with Abeka or with Bob Jones or with uh, no Calvin didn't do that. Calvin was a non that wasn't a Christian one that we did. But um, when we were doing school, like you would talk about John Calvin and be like two sentences yeah, or like a paragraph. Jump right over. Yeah, like there, yeah, he was uh, influential. All right, next we you got... talk about the Huguenots. Do you remember talking about the Huguenots? I don't remember talking about the Huguenots. Okay, I remember talking about the Huguenots and okay. how uh, John Calvin, um, I can't remember the exact words, but he, uh, he, he sent missionaries to infiltrate the Huguenots. Oh, nice. I remember Good that. Good job, man. Which was really just... Being a missionary, sending a missionary, hel- yeah. <laughs> helping. People. Isn't that what missionaries do? They're infiltrating <laughs> stuff to spread the gospel. But I, I would say, like, it comes down to when you look into Calvinism, which when I did, which would be around, I would say, probably in my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. It was like I, I believe these things, and like you said, the three or four point Calvinist. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people have problems with the limited atonement, mm-hmm. um, and. I mean, I would say that was probably because everything centers around the the first one. Okay, we're talking about Tulip already. Whatever. So, total depravity is like where it all centers around, right? Yeah. Once we get to the point of understanding that we are literally dead, like there's no amount of of a push that we as as humans can make to move towards salvation or to be saved. Everything else falls into place, and I think that, uh, I mean, a lot of it, when you read it at just face value of, like, limited atonement means blank, and again, I'm not saying what it means because we're obviously going to go more into that probably in a later episode, or maybe even this episode, but it, it it's more like it, my feelings are hurt, or yeah. I don't want to agree with this because it sounds bad. Yeah. Um, Taking it at face value. Right, and, and, not- and, and not really deep diving into it, ta- listening to people that are way more knowledgeable than than i am by just a taking like i mean like a house and then going fifty thousand feet in the air and viewing and going well i don't think that house looks very nice from here like yeah but also also coming to the the point in my brain of being like i'm not god Mm -hmm. so sitting here and and being putting god on the standard of me as a human i don't see how that's even how that makes any kind of logical or biblical sense and so after reading these points and actually you know going and deep diving into them and the good thing is about this podcast that we've been doing is when I'm you know going and researching more stuff I have my wife there with me and so she's watching these things too or like watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast or sit there on the internet and stuff and she'll just be like I'm bored you want to read to me and I'll make sure so like we'll sit there and read about it and so Aww. it's like yeah I know we're such a great couple aren't we You're so sweet um anyway so yeah but like it, it's helping us as a couple grow closer together through our study of w- what salvation and what it looks like, and, mm-hmm. this, and 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 that's a really good thing. But like I said, going back is, I already believed a lot of this stuff, and a lot of it already made sense, and then some of it didn't, and some of it took a lot more time for me to like actually deep dive into it and be like, okay, I actually do agree with this. And then that's when I would say, like, after actually, like, going into it and my cousin, who's I talk about all the time, reformed pastor. So, like, he would, we would talk about it a lot. And it's just, like I said, things click, things start making sense. And it's like, okay, I understand now what this means as opposed to I'm going to read this at face value and I disagree with it completely because my emotions are telling me I should. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap. Yeah. Because it's not nice. Yeah, it's, it can, it's not nice to humans. Let's say it, that. Yeah, it, is it fair? Yes, because it's God. God is fair. God is a just. It's just. God. Yeah, exactly. It's not fair to us, but it is actually fair. It is just. Mm-hmm. It is correct, and it's no matter what we think as humans that it doesn't matter because we are not God, and to sit here and again to put us on the level of God or God on the level of us is then taking away the omniscience and the omnipotence of Him. Which is something I don't understand. And that, with with the the study of Calvinism, with the study of the Bible in general, leave Calvinism to the side. You, there is a realization that has to be made. One, I use the word consistent or the words consistent exegesis when I was giving my synopsis, my definition. Consistent is the key word for me. Right. If you can't be inconsistent with 
your interpretation of the Bible. You have to maintain the same standard throughout, and that standard is God's standard, right? You can't say, well, in the Old Testament, I'm going to treat it like this, and in the New Testament, I'm going to treat it like this. No, it, it is the same throughout. And you have to realize that the Bible is consistent, that the same God in Genesis is the same God in Revelation. They're not separate. The the same God who made the covenant with Abraham is the same God that came and died on the cross for our sins. So the inconsistency of the, the arguments for man's free will are what really pulled me away from the the quote-unquote Arminian worldview, mm. the, the Southern Baptist uh, interpretations of Scripture. Because, I mean, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago now, I remember talking to people and being Back like... Back when you were like 12? Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking to people and being like, you know, the... God is sovereign over salvation, and he, he has his elect, and he chooses who will be saved, and he knows who will be saved, but man still has a say, you know, I mean, we, we would we would still have to agree to be saved, you know, because we have free will, right? And that was my interpretation of what I thought was, was right with Calvinism. And then as years go by and I start reading the Bible, I'm like, oh, that's not what the Bible is saying at all. Right. In fact, that would negate the deity of Christ if I had any say in my salvation. And I can explain more of that later, but you have to be consistent and you have to understand that the overarching point of Calvinistic interpretation, Calvinistic theology, is the sovereignty of God, and its point is everything that happens is for God's glory. It's yes. not for man, it's for God. So the, the the best way I've heard it put is it's vertical theology. You start at the top, you start with God, and then you come down to man. You don't start at the bottom with man and define God by what we see as man. You define man by what you see in God, right? And that that that's that's why I get invested in this is when you're when you're trying to preach to people when you're trying to witness to people who are not Christians the main thing that distinguishes Christianity biblical Christianity from the world's religions is that we aren't defining God by man we're defining man by what God has said we are right and that that there's so much more that can be said about that, and you know we could we could go for four hours about Calvinism and not even define what Calvinism is because it's it's been around for for so long, and I mean it, it's been around since before <laughs> before John Calvin, but it I, I say all that to say we're not going to hit every single topic about this yeah. in 10 episodes, if we you were to do 10. You see the list of information <laughs> Extensive notes. sent to me, and I'm like, oh, I thought this was for one podcast. I was like, dude, I don't It can don't be know. one. It can just be like a Return of the King. We'll just Yeah, we'll just do a 10-hour one. We'll just split it up into a couple of them. A mini-series. <laughs> so what would you say is like but, one, one like really huge misconception of Calvinism? Do you got anything like that? I think th- my favorite misconception oh, about... Oh, perfect. You have a favorite. Not I do. even that you know one, I you have do. a favorite. I have a I favorite it. misconception, a favorite myth about um, <laughs> myth. Calvinism oh my gosh. that most people, even most Calvinists, believe about Calvinism. And that's the myth is that John Calvin wrote the five points of Calvinism. That He did not write the five points of Calvinism. He did not come up with the five points of Calvinism. In fact, it, the five points of Calvinism came about 55 years after Calvin died. So that that's my favorite misconception is that it was, you know, this was some mystical plan by John Calvin to throw people off of true Christianity when in reality what was happening, John Calvin wrote the book 
or the volume of books, the Institutes of the Christian Religion, which outline the Christian faith. It's it's a three-volume book, I believe. It might be four. I can't remember. I've, I've never read it. <laughs> but he wrote that book, and inside of that book, it outlines what the Christian beliefs are. You know, this is what we believe on. You know, the doctrine of salvation was obviously the big one, but the Trinity, so on and so forth. He, right. he wrote all of that. And over time, books got popular. John Calvin was very influential. He sent a lot of missionaries to a lot of different places. Well, he dies in 1580, no, 1560-something, I think. I can't remember exactly. Uh, and after that, a, he was seceded by a bunch of other people. And they were in fights with a lot of other forms of Christianity, a lot of other interpretations of the Bible, as, as happens, right? There's different heresy, there's different interpretations that get, they butt heads over mm-hmm. time. Well, 55 years, 50-some years after Calvin's death, uh, Jacobus Arminius and his followers go to the Dutch church, the Dutch Reformed Church, and bring forth what's called the Remonstrance, or the five points of Arminianism, which is their interpretation of soteriology, which goes against Calvin's teachings and what? really the teachings of the Bible. Yeah. So oh, before, dang, bro. Come on. That's so rude. You just like slid that one in. Before the five <laughs> points of talking. Calvinism, all right, all right. there were the five points of Arminianism. And the five points of Arminianism are human ability, conditional election, universal redemption, effectual resistance, and falling from grace. Those were the five remonstrances. Effectual resistance? Effectual resistance. So man can effectively resist the gospel. Um, That is contrasted— Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. As in, like, if the Holy Spirit's calling, we have the ability to resist it. Yes. Yes, that was one of the official Arminian I'm doctrines. sorry, so you're telling me the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, Holy God, I can, I, I as a believer should, should think that I well, can resist when he is calling. Yes, that is, that was I one of their actively, remonstrances. I, I understand that this, <laughs> a, I, I know, because, and, and people are like, well, come on, we have free will. Yeah, of course we can. But I'm like, you, this is where it comes <laughs> The sovereignty of God, right? What Jeremiah said at the beginning. This is where it comes down to for me, which makes no sense how people as Christians, like, I understand if you want to, you know, we want to go to limited atonement versus, what was it called, universal? Uh, uh, it, it, uh, universal redemption. Universal redemption. That's fine. Like, that's something I think you guys, that you guys can argue on more so on grounds than you can on... <laughs> If the Holy Spirit uh, on, calls, uh, yeah, on what is it, is um, uh, ir- irresistible grace, mm-hmm. and and it's so I, I can I just can't fathom how as Christians we can literally say if the Holy Spirit is calling us and working in us that we as humans can have the ability to resist. Do you really put the human race at such a level to believe that you can resist Almighty God? Mm-hmm. No. And there's that, no way. And that's that's where it comes down to. Again, it starts with they the people who came up with this, Arminius, his followers, and there were there were predecessors to Arminius. I read that um uh, that book. Remember I keep talking about the um oh, like the, Church History Overview? Yeah. yeah, he was in it. But there, right, I know about he, him. He had predecessors as well, obviously. Okay, okay but I was just saying I knew him. Jeez. I know, all I'm right. Sorry. Whatever. You know, you just keep talking. I don't even I'm going to drink it, I'm going to drink my drink, and you just talk, Just like Calvin had predecessors with Zwingli, and, uh, you know, you could go with any number. Luther, technically, would have been a predecessor to Calvin. Some people, I I guess they were more peers, but you can, there's a a million ways to skin a cat. Anyways. (laughs) Don't meow. (laughs) Wait, hit the the meow button. (laughs) I was going to, I can't reach my foot, though. um, But Arminian... Arminius had uh, predecessors as well, so I'm not saying that he was the person who spawned this, but it's it's named after him, and he is the one who brought it to the Dutch Reformed Church. The Dutch Reformed Church took in the remonstrance, examined them, and had a synod, the Synod of Dort, where they came up with TULIP, 
right, the, the five points of Calvinism to put against the five points of Arminianism. And I, I mean, I think most people would recognize the term tulip, but if, if you don't know, it's total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, which a lot of people get hung up on, yeah. irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints. So th- those five were created, like I said, 55 years after Calvin's death by the Synod of Dort in the Dutch Reformed Church, and they've just been held on to because they're a pretty good approximation. R.C. Sproul went in, and he's he popular. He has an amazing series on YouTube, if you've never seen it, where he talks about the doctrines of grace and Reformed theology. Mm. Um, but he, he has a great series on that, and he, he changes some of the names of stuff to make them more clear, because you got to think they were they were written in Dutch, and then they were translated in English, and then they were like, well, we can still force the tulip, you know, the tulip is still going to stay, and so it works, it, it is workable, but like limited atonement, people get confused on that because of the way it sounds, right? Yes. So... I mean, I did. Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people do. Um, and then again, that makes it sound like I'm smart, so... Even yeah, even did, even total depravity is like okay. What what? I don't think that you can really get hung up on that one. But you, you can't get hung up on it. But the way it's worded is odd. It's not it's not in plain English, right? I don't know. For me, it pretty much made sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're dead. Okay. But there's anyways. nothing. There's nothing there. I'm sorry. But that would be that would be a, a an argument of. I mean, you can, can compare and contrast total depravity with human ability, right? How many times have you heard the analogy of you're, you're, you're down in the water, you're just like Peter, you're drowning in the water, and Jesus reaches out his hand and says, hey, come here, come with me, and you just got to choose. You're drowning, you're about to go into the water, the waves are coming over you, you just got to reach up and grab Jesus by the hand. You just got to dr- grab Jesus' hand, you just got to do it. That, that's the example that's always given in church, in, in Southern Baptist churches and in all these different Arminian uh, churches. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are dead yes. in your trespasses Multiple and sin. Multiple places. Pay, and uh, to, places quote, yes. to quote Vody Bauckham, dead men don't grab, right? You're, you're grabbed like a, you grab a cat by the back of the neck. You, you don't have a choice. You're going. Right. You're, it, yoinked would be the, uh, the trendy <laughs> term. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's... <laughs> yoinked. <laughs> I don't mean to keep <laughs> getting on that one, but you know you can compare and contrast pretty obviously these two, and you can see how Tulip was created to argue against. I think the original in in Dutch it the it translates to roses, the Armenian one, but don't quote me on that. I've heard that somewhere, but I haven't. I don't speak Dutch and I don't read it, so I don't know. But yeah, that's probably my favorite one. People, a lot of people tend to think, yeah. Calvin, five points of Calvinism. That's all he wrote. No, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> yeah, no. I would say for me, it's the, it's it's the why do you, if you're a Calvinist, why in the world would should we have missionaries? Mm. Why? I think you actually brought this up to me, and it was, it was a point that I kind of like heard before, but then you said it. It was probably it was a it was months ago you talked about this to me, um, but. I looked at that, and I think one of the things you said, which is, again, I agree with, is we don't know who the elect are. Yeah. Because we're not God. And God does not give his elect some sort of, like, compass to be like, oh, I know you're elect. Or God doesn't just go, okay. spider sense, yeah. Yeah, or God doesn't just go, okay, well, you don't have to go do anything. I mean, what what is the Great Commission? I mean, the Great Commission is there for a reason. So we're, we're still called to spread the gospel to all nations. And to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So sitting here and just going, well, we don't have to do anything because we're Calvinists. Like we, like, or when people say, well, why would you go and spread the gospel? What does it matter? Because there might not be the elect. Yeah, but they might be. And and the thing of well, but the Holy Spirit has to act. Like, but we we talked about it. They're they're totally depraved. So you talking to them does nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So you're saying that the Holy Spirit and God cannot use me as a vessel? That's what we are. I think that people miss like kind of they they misunderstand this is that when I if I go and talk to someone about Christ I'm not the one who is responsible to bring you to Christ like I'm not I'm not 
It's not on Luke to do that. I am being used by God as a vessel to bring his word to people. And the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with me to then either bring them to himself or to bring them to God or or they aren't. Their mm-hmm. heart their hearts are hardened. And and that's and this thing where it's like we, we well, you know, you shouldn't waste your time then, right? And it's kind of said, you know, jokingly and in jest and kind of rude, but whatever. Um, no, I don't agree with that. I think that we should go spread the gospel because just saying like, well, the Holy Spirit can't use me to to help save someone, that's that's incorrect. I am being, I am, like I said, I am a vessel. So, I, it, yeah, I might not, I'm not going to save every single person I talk to. No, why would, that's that's ridiculous. I would never, it's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't go out and spread the gospel because it might be the ordained time, the ordained day, the ordained person, the elect is out there, and Luke is supposed to go talk to that person today, and that's the day of salvation for that person. Mm-hmm. It's it's already ordained by God. And again, I know it gets confusing where you're like, well, well, but but okay, but then it's already ordained by God, so I really don't have to do much because if I'm supposed to do it, I'll just. I say, any opportunity you have to spread the gospel, spread the gospel. That's what you should do. Okay, and let God take care of the rest. He is. This isn't like the what is it? Let go and let God. This no. is a do as God says, and God will take care of the rest. He is. It, That's what He will do. And especially with the the witnessing aspect, I I there is a distinct difference. One, you can look at the majority of uh, historical missionaries, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that they write books about, the ones that go out there. Jim Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot, right? The, the guy that was speared to death and cannibalized in yeah. South America. Uh, Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, um, George Whitfield. Uh, I'm blanking on like every single person that I had thought of earlier, but... Paul Barnabas. Paul. <laughs> no, <laughs> people are going to get mad about that one. Uh, but you, you look at people like that, like Adoniram Judson, were the strongest five-point Calvinists you've ever heard. Mm. Charles Spurgeon, right? Huge. Dude, huge. Um, here, Spurgeon, it's his podcast, it's all of his, every single one of his sermons, and they read it as like a sermon again, mm-hmm. and you can just sit there and listen to it. It's fantastic. Go look it up on Spotify. Fantastic mm. podcast. Love that thing so much. I literally, like when I go on a walk or I'm sitting there doing a project, just turn it on, and you're literally listening to Spurgeon's words. It's awesome. You know, they had the ability to record Spurgeon's sermons when he was alive, and they never did. They had they had the technology. I did not know that. but They yeah. had the technology to like put a microphone in front of him and record but they never did. So all they have is his writings. They don't, there's, I don't believe there's any recordings of what his voice actually sounded but like. But now, like I said, it, it, and that's, well, I actually had no clue about that, but that is good to know. Now. Yeah. But you can listen to someone say, you don't have to read them. You can actually listen to someone orate. Is that the word? Or, I guess it or, is. Or speak. Say it. So Why I can say. Why do you have to get fancy? Because, so you know, we're on a fancy podcast. We've got a little, Where know, were little we? blankets on and whatever. <laughs> but we were talking about the, uh, we're talking about the but, missionaries oh, the and mission- the Calvinists. So a lot of historical missionaries were Calvinists. So there, there immediately goes away, the uh, gets rid of that point of, you know, there's no Calvinist missionaries. But also the, the non-Calvinist missionary is going out and telling sinful people to pray a prayer and you know, be on your merry way, right? Go to church, live a good life, be fruitful and multiply, so on and so forth, right? The Calvinistic missionary is looking at people and, for lack of a better term, meeting them where they are and saying, you are a sinner. You are depraved by nature. Your heart is wrong. You think about Ray Comfort, the guy that does those Living Waters videos where Mm -hmm. he walks up to people and he says... Have you ever have you ever stolen anything? Have you taken a nickel off your grandmother's dresser? Uh, yeah. Okay, that makes you a thief. Have you ever told even a little white lie? Yeah. What does that make you? A liar. Okay, and he, he goes on with that, and he, he the 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 clincher, 
is always so what you from what you just told me you're a, a lying murderous lustful adulterous murderer by nature and you think you're good enough to go to heaven well let me tell you the good news and what that is is a elongated version of saying repent and believe the gospel yeah which who said repent and believe the gospel about 15 to 20 different people in the new testament yeah so that is i think the key difference is it's not going and trying to convince people and to play with plead with their emotions and to say look you just need to pray a prayer and you'll be good you'll be set and you need to live a good life it's telling people you can't do this by yourself and that's what makes it different than buddhism with buddhism you tell people hey you have to do these things and you'll live a good life and you have to let go of your mortal self you have to go through (laughs) yoga that was Hinduism. I uh, know, so it's, it's the same. The Buddhists do yoga these, too. You have to go through these actions, the and then eventually you may reach nirvana, right? Yeah. Contrast that with there's nothing you can do. But good news for you, the good news is that someone has already done what you can't do. And I th- and a lot of times when not a lot of times when I hear some when I say, well, what's your testimony? Like, what is the testimony? If the first word out of your mouth is I I'm sorry but I'm gonna start kind of wondering is this for real yeah because the first words that you know obviously if I go well I was a boy like you know that's not what I'm talking about but if it's something of well I did blank that's what I'm more saying and so when it comes to the I portion of it that's to me it's like I, I don't I don't think that 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 you're you're getting it because you there is nothing that we can do. Mm-hmm. We are a depraved human. We are an awful part. Like we're bad. We are inherently bad. And I don't know how people can literally look at our human race and say we're inherently good. So we with, have any goodness. And with that, that kind of leads perfectly into the start of Tulip with total depravity. And you know, I wrote verses down for each of them. But for for Tulip, I think first thing that needs to be established is that Tulip, yes, it's the five points of Calvinism, which we talked about, but there is an overarching S that goes over Tulip, which is the sovereignty of God. Which which I screened about at the beginning. And, you know, I I wrote down a verse for each of the points. I wrote down three verses for each of the points of Calvinism to kind of back it up. And I'm only going to have time in this episode to go through one. And I think the next episode we're going to go more into yeah. each of these points. We'll of deep dive into each one of these. But just as kind of an overview of where does some of the backing for Calvinism come from? So it, we, from from the Bible, where does some of the backing come from? And so for the sovereignty of God, I wrote down, the first verse I wrote down was Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. For Such even the hairs verse. of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than many sparrows. I, I also wrote down Isaiah 45, 7 through 9. Can I read that one too? If You, you just it, said it. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, just go ahead. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation, and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them to both sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making, or work has no Hand, or your work has no handles, Isaiah forty-five seven through nine. I mean, it's just that it the Bible screams cannot, from beginning to end that God is in que- control. You cannot <laughs> question it. I mean, it's like if God is for us, who can stand against? Right? There's no, there's the the sovereignty. He, he is always sovereign in mm-hmm. every situation, in the good, in the bad. He's there. He's in control, and it's like. I, I don't you can't question it so that's what makes it so hard for me to be like I'm sorry but there's like these the points of this how can you not just look at it and go you're right yeah not not I don't care because I'm because I want to be right it the point is like it's a it's 
this is about salvation and I'm not saying that our Arminian brothers are not saved. No. That's not what I'm saying, but it's good to understand salvation as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's good to understand it's not a little prayer that you repeat back. And I like the way R.C. Sproul put it, which is the our Arminian brothers, he, he specifically said brothers, he, our Arminian brothers are saved through a happy inconsistency, right? They're a little inconsistent in their soteriology. They're a little inconsistent in how they get from point A to point B. But they're still our brothers, and God can draw, draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And I am a very crooked stick. Yeah. And God is drawing... I, I, I'm praying that God draws a straight line with my life. <laughs> but that, that again, speaks to just the sovereignty of God, that you and I are in this spot talking. Everything that comes about is done by his hand. Okay, but so we got the S because that's the main S. part of Tulip. We got, we got the first I, part I got, of Tulip, I got, I, got, I got one for total depravity, <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah, hit, hit us with it. So total depravity, let's see. I got like a bunch of verses for this one. I'm going to go with one that's kind of like maybe... Go with an off-the-wall one. I want to see what you got. Okay, okay. Let Vans off-the-wall, man. Vans off-the-wall. Okay, let's go with... Um, You're wearing double Carhartt, too. I just noticed this is yeah, really I know, Reformed really Baptist. Bad, yeah. okay, I, got, okay, I got one. I got to go to the Bible. Make some interlude right here. So, I'm sorry. There's, total depravity specifically is talking about man's total inability. Is I, I think what Sproul says is it's, it's the absolute inability that man has to come anywhere close to righteousness. That depravity of man is the complete sin nature, and that sin nature is what we're born with. It's not just, yeah, it's not just that we have a sin nature and that, you know, we're, oh, you know, we sin. It's, we're dead in it. There, we have no we have no ability to get out of it on our own. That's mm-hmm. the difference. It's not we have no ability to get out of it. It's we have no ability to get out of it on our own. It takes the intervention of God. It takes the intervention of the Holy Spirit. We have to have intervention from Almighty to get out of it. Mm-hmm. That is what it means. I'm sorry, I just interrupted you. But anyway. No, go for it. I do have What's the your verse? verse. So Psalms 51.5. Oh, I, I didn't have that mm, one. 51.5. Okay. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Mm. Mm. Just saying, sounds pretty total depraved to me. All and right? it, it's talking about the the principle of original sin, which is something also that a yes. lot of people get they they contest. And when we when we talk more about total depravity, that that idea or the principle of original sin will be brought up more and I think that that is one of the key verses that people use when it when it's this when we're discussing the original sin of man and especially with that the thought I want to leave people with is if you disagree with the concept of original sin and that man is not born in sin that sin is not passed down from the father to the children and that men are not wrought in iniquity, born in sin, like mm-hmm. you just said, then why did Jesus have to be vo- born of a virgin? Was it simply to show, wow, look at God, how amazing this is, that a child can be born when the marital act was not, when, when, when there was no consumption of the child, there were not consumption, uh, conception of the consumption. I'm not taking that out. There was <laughs> the child was not. But we do not endorse cannibalism. All right, <laughs> on the show, there is no conception of the child in the physical sense. Right. Was it just that, or does it go to show something more? That look, there is no way that this child could even have any form of sin because they were not wrought in the way that man is wrought. Right. So, that's that's uh, total depravity. What's the the next one is unconditional election in tulip with an S. Uh, <laughs> tulip with an S to start, not yeah. tulip. Stulip. 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 <laughs> but unconditional election is that one's pretty self explanatory. Is that and it still gets people up and it it, it does. It's fun. But uh, the I I mean I I think with this. I wrote down, I can't really pick between all three, but I will. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all the, that, and we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. People love reading Romans 8, 28. But a lot of times people leave off 29 and 30 that goes with 28. Mm-hmm. And so it says, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those he, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So Romans 8.30, is, it's referred to as the golden chain of redemption. Mm-hmm. But it, it demonstrates Christ's unconditional election, right? It's not because of what we did. It's because of what he has done. And I look at that also with these points, um, with this point. And people are like, well, that they don't like the election part. Yeah. But with every other thing, if you think about it, um, if you talk to any other Christians, non-Calvin, non-Calvinistic Christians, um, they will be like, oh, you know, God, God ordained this to happen, or God, this was already planned from the beginning of time. This, that, the other. But then when it comes to people believing and being saved, that's when we're like, we we got to put. We're putting the shutters on that one. You, you yeah. can't, that's not, that's unfair, is what I almost kind of what I, I, I sense well, comes from. I've heard from, people say right, that's it's unfair. Right, it's just, it's unfair. But again, I go to putting God on the level of us as humans is 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 incorrect. And I think it's actually, it's sinful because it's, you're taking Almighty and saying, well, I'm going to put him into the mind of Luke. And Luke doesn't look at this and say, this is a very fair thing, so therefore that's it's it can't really happen yeah and i'm sorry but that's not how it rolls but anyway sorry we can keep going but i i, I want to keep going but we can't we, we can't we can't, <laughs> we can't. okay because we we'll spend four hours on one no, so i was like keep going to the next time but, the next yeah. of the next one the next one is limited atonement i prefer the term definite atonement or definite redemption okay right and and People get tripped up on this one a lot. Yes, this is where the four-point Calvinist yeah, comes into They say, I'm, I'm a four-point Calvinist. I just don't agree with limited atonement. What limited atonement is saying is that... don't No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you right there. Don't get into that. This okay. one is a good one to get into. And and I don't, can, don't can do I read now. my verse. You can read the verse though. Okay. Yes. Uh, the verse I have for limited atonement. I will allow you to read the verse. Is First Peter three eighteen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. First Peter three eighteen. Good. No more talking about it either. That's right. a really good I'm one. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Really. Uh, I. I. What is that? Irresistible grace. Or sorry. <laughs> That is what it is. I know. That's right. I'm sorry. I just, when I said it, I was like, that sounded really. That sounded really. That really sounded wrong. Dumb. I was like, get this like beat going. I'm sorry. Anyway, you, you got but, it. Yeah. Irresistible grace. Also, effectual calling is another way to say it. Which is, which is a, a lot better way of saying it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just saying that there is, it is being called by the spirit to being drawn to God, which we just talked about being called. Onto being called into him with uh, Romans mm-hmm. eight twenty eight through 20, through thirty, um, great verse for that as well. Anyway, you I have wrote, a verse for that. Uh, a Another cup, one. I I I wanted to have John six, basically thirty to the end of the chapter. Uh, I was going to say I have John I put, six. I put John six thirty seven thirty nine and forty four as kind of the key verses, and I'm just going to read through those and for effectual calling or irresistible grace is that all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on, uh, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Oh, and I got one for you too. Um, Oh dang! Never mind. Did you have verse sixty-seven? I think that's the other one. No, or sixty-five. I, I think I, I think it's sixty-five, and I put fifty-five. Yeah, oh, verse sixty-five. Six, is, don't do it. It's mine. Okay, I'm You're sorry. You're not allowed. I'm sorry. And he said, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father." Right. So the the irresistible call, we can. We can resist it, right? We can say, I don't 
you know, we can hear the call of Christ and we can turn away in our sinful nature. And that is where humans do have free will is to resist God, resist what is good and choose what is evil. But you can only resist God for a certain amount of time because he's God and you're a man, right? He will have his way and it could be over time he will call you and call you and call you and you'll resist and resist and resist and resist and eventually you're brought to a point of understanding and now you turn and you follow Christ. Or you could have Paul on the road to Damascus where you don't have a choice anymore. Right. And also with the free will thing, it's not that as Calvinists we believe we don't we're robots and we don't have free will. Right. And we're just like there's nothing. We just beep boop, there's a puppet master and we're doing whatever is being told. We have a regenerated will. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Is we are able to do things we still sin, don't we? So it's not like I'm just sitting here and like, oh, I don't well, I, I don't have a free will, so I I can't do those things. Like, you know, I'm being told I have a free will. I have a regenerated will, though, and the same with anyone that is born again, that anyone have, that is elect. And and as as people, again, it goes back to total depravity. You look back at Genesis 6-5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, come on. Jeremiah seventeen nine. Oh, the heart yeah, is I, deceitful I, above all things and desperately yeah, and sick. Desperately, and desperately looking. Who it? can know it? That's the NIV, I think. Yeah. Wow. I was, that was NIV. a wanna. Wow. That was a wanna. <laughs> what can I say, man? I got second Quiz place jam. on that one. U.S. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. That's right. Um, P. Let's go P. P. Perseverance, Perseverance of, the of the Saints. This one is weirdly contested. I don't understand how people can argue against the Perseverance of the Saints. Oh, I didn't know this was no one that was that. I can understand. I can't understand how people contest it from the from the Bible. There's no argument for per, against Perseverance of the Saints. But from if, if you're following Arminian the, theology, you have to disagree with Perseverance of the Saints because if you are saying I can enact my own salvation, I am the one choosing to be saved, then you have to be able to have that free will choice to say, well, now I'm the one saying I am no longer saved. So, But aren't, but it, but aren't the Arminians the ones with the once saved, always saved, like kind of mantra? Or at least the Baptists are, no, the Southern they, Baptists. And this is, this is where there's weird mixing. That's what I was going to say, because I know that, but I don't know who's but, doing what. But the traditional Arminian theology is that you can turn away from your salvation. You can, okay. you can cast, cast it aside. But that goes against 1 John 2.19. They went from us, but they were not of us. For they, had nev- for they had been of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might become plain that they are all not, that they are all, that they are all are not of us. I'm, I'm going to restart. I'm not going to edit any of that out. Oh, ahead, man, man, that was so it's bad. Okay. I, if I had done it, it would have been worse. So <laughs> Let me restart. First John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might become plain that they are all not of us. So what that is saying is, those people who are with us in the church, and then they go and they turn aside and they go away from their salvation, they were never with us. If they were with us, they would have continued with us. And I think you can see that a very, very easy example is I know people who are 50 and 60 that are close to me, that have been going to church all their lives, that claim to be Christians. They don't even know they should be respecting their husbands at 50 or 60. They don't know that their husbands should love them as Christ loved the church. They don't know... Like they they'll they'll say stuff where I'm like I'm I'm sorry this these are basic biblical principles, mm-hmm. and and then they go around their life their life doesn't produce the fruit of a Christian and I look at them and I say I do not believe that you're actually saved, and it's it, it's one of those things where they're a part of the group that can be called a church yeah but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're saved and going back to the beginning of this whole thing, 
with my boy David Platt before he was a terrible person. Apparently, I gotta watch this thing. I gotta see if this is real or not. But you don't want to be uh, shiny, happy peopled. So yeah, I know exactly. I mean, but this looked pretty. This looked pretty bad, dude. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Like I said, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Um, but when we were when he was at Brook Hills, he stood up on at the pulpit and said, "And the saddest thing is, I stand here today in front of so many people that are sitting here shaking their heads, and many of you." will be in hell one day. Mm-hmm. And that's the saddest thing. But that's how it is. And, and again, they're they're part of our group, but they're not one of us. Mm-hmm. They're not an elect. They're not a Christian. And with that, you, we don't know. Right? And yeah. that's that's the, yeah. the final point I want to make is, and it goes back to what we were saying about Calvinism in, in missions, is that we don't know. So we can't sit here and say, oh, that person definitely is not one of the elect because, you know, I don't like the way their haircut is. Right. But it is also shown biblically what David Platt just said, right? There, There is biblical truth that was shown in multiple churches of the New Testament that not—I just read it. Not everyone who was with us is going to continue with us because they were not of us to begin with. So all, all that to say we're going to have probably like two or three more episodes— <laughs> This was a really long introduction, and I re- I think I don't think we should do a Luke's list today. Because what? If we do a Luke's list, we're gonna get hung up. So I think if we're gonna do a Luke's list, we should do like it's got three points. I, I got a list. Okay, we're gonna do a Luke's list. I'm gonna start a timer. Three points, you said. Three points. All right. For all of Luke's list, we have to get through it in one minute. And thirty seconds, and the time. No, no, you got. We gotta start it. I got a list. Oh, how about a speed round of Luke's list? Speed round. The ambulance did one I mute lasts my a long time. No, yeah, you did. Is it muted now? <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. The ambulance <laughs> one lasts a long time. All right. So, uh, three, two, one, hold go. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to go. Timer starting. Gotta, one minute, 20 seconds. 127. Okay. 126. Uh, three, three tactics Calvinists use against non Calvinists by Jeremy Myers from something I can't read right now because I'm trying to go so fast. Number one, name calling. It always surprised me how quickly some Calvinists turn to name calling as a way to defend their ideas. Okay. I disagree with that on the basis of I don't like the way you're. I feel I like know. they. I, I was trying I to think like of a, a name to call that wasn't mean, but no, I, people, I, don't, I don't. I think Armenians call people names more. Than I will say I think that I get called names more for being a Calvinist than not being a Calvinist. Number two, scripture quotations. Of course, I. I don't know. I don't even have to read this. Yes, that's what I would use. That's, I use the scripture. The I use the scripture to defend the points of which I'm making that are biblical. Something, How dare you say I can't do that? Something, something, sola scriptura. Something, something, something dark side. Something, something complete. Okay. <laughs> Number three. Are you making me do it fast? Appeals to authority, to tradition and authority. The final tactic that Calvinists often use to defend Calvinism is with appeal to tradition and authority. I just said that. Usually, if you disagree with the Calvinist on the meaning of a particular Bible verse, rather than Deal with the extrajudicial. Okay. Exegetical. Exegetical evidence. 15 seconds. That that was prevented prevented by about the verse. They will say that your understanding is wrong because it disagrees with John Calvin, John Piper, or John MacArthur teaches, or some other Calvinist. That's it. That's Luke's list. Wow. (laughs) Good Luke's list. And we have three, two, one. Good job. You didn't have to wait for the the thing to go off. Well, so that was Luke's list. Uh, I and didn't I like still it. misread one word. Who uh, who who was that list by? Uh, Jeremy Myers oh. from I don't oh redeeminggod.com. Redeeminggod.com. Yeah, I didn't like that list. Well, and I, I, I wanted it, the the reason I wanted you to do a speed round is because I could talk about all of those points and refute them all and also call them names. <laughs> And also call names, and I didn't (laughs) want to do that. Um, All right, so anyway, I guess that will conclude the overview, beginning, discussion of Calvinism. Because, you know, people have never done that before. (laughs) Next week. It's the same thing. We're talking about Calvinism and why you're wrong about it. We're going to go deep diving into Tulip. 
you know, you know, you say people have done it before, but I mean, I've listened to some podcasts about people talking about it, and they're like, we're we're having a conversation, so we're all over the place, and that's way more fun than listening to someone just be like, here are the points that you've heard in every other video and every other podcast, and we're just. I'll think that. That'll help me sleep tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. You can sleep tonight. It's okay. So anyway, next week, come join us again. We'll talk more about the actual five points, well, sixth point, the special you know, sovereignty of God's kind of important. I might throw a seventh one in there. Who knows? Who knows? Could you be a seven-point Calvinist? We'll tell you next week. Where can people find us, Jeremiah? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at First Off You're Wrong. You can also find us on X at F underscore O underscore Y underscore W. You can email us at First off, you, at contact at firstoffyourwrong.com. Make sure you spell your right. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but you already Yes, you did. And just remember, the most important thing that we all learned today is that first off, you're wrong. Bye-bye. <laughs>